It's the path to story. An AOS narrative show. The path to story. Two paths diverged into a woods. And I, I took the path that had two hell cannons. Welcome to the Path to Story podcast. A Warhammer Age of Sigmar Path to Glory podcast. Join us for a whole lot of lore and more here in the Mortal Realms. Today, I am Evergreen Marquis Boron Ivy Branch, the furious <laughs> denizen of the Hallowed Exodus. <laughs> Will, who are you? I'm Strong Tramplebelly, frenzied plunderer of the barbarous Boneyard. Nice. I like it. <laughs> and Spencer, who are you? I am Jesse, the not once, not twice, but thrice forged weary hand of the divine rule. I like it. <laughs> Jesse, that's a fun name. Yeah. Uh, shout out as usual to the realm of classic name generator, the awesome of all awesomeness. Um, so. Yeah, I gotta say, um, on average, Spencer, being thrice forged is doing pretty good for yourself. Yeah, you haven't um, forgotten too many memories. It's like know. it's like golf. Lower numbers are better. <laughs> Shooting for par is all we're doing. My question is, have you seen like a lightning man in your side eye at any point? Or like, do you hate avocados now? Have you, have you picked up any weird quirk from your reforgings? Uh, I mean, there is this ghost that comes and goes from time to time, but I'm pretty sure he was already there, so... It's hard to say. Fair, fair. All right. Uh, So uh, we are the Path of Story podcast. And um, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about our first and second battles. Um, Since we have actually enjoined upon this quest for Path to Glory, um, then we're going to talk about what the narrative progression is what we have decided has happened to our characters. Um, and that's going to be the gist of our episode, right, Will? Yeah, exactly. We we spent the first two episodes just setting everything up, and now we, we're actually getting into it. So for those of us who have listened to episodes one and two, that was really setting the table and pretty much moving forward. It's going to be more like this, more of discussing the battles and then discussing the narrative that comes from those battles. All right. So, uh, Will, uh, I'm going to start off and say that I have done nothing since the last time we recorded the podcast to actually make my living city army uh, painted or more converted or anything. So I I am a massive failure when it comes to (laughs) moving forward because I've been doing so many other things. I did my mortal citizen. I, I've been trying to do some terrain stuff, um, so I have failed miserably. But I bet you have actually accomplished something, Will. I mean, accomplish something and doing something are I I, I would say are different because my <laughs> my level of painting is I, I'm I'm a rookie. I'm still new to it, but you are correct. So since we last recorded, I have started putting paint to models since I've gotten. The majority of my conversions done up before we first recorded. I'm now getting painting done. Um, and the way I paint is I sort of do batch painting. So I'm just getting like 
one color on each model and then going back and starting again with a new color. And I've been painting a lot faster than I normally do, one, for the podcast. And then two, I, by the time you all are listening to this, will have attended Holy Havoc, which is like my first just Warhammer event. Um, like ever, ever in the history of time. And I hear it's a good one. So I'm it is super excited. And Steve Herder runs a tight ship in a fun, uh, fun event from what I've been told. Yeah, and I, I've seen the pictures of past events and like how beautiful those tables are and the other armies people are bringing, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I really oh, yeah. need to put some effort into this. <laughs> yes. So I that's mean, what I, that is what I've been doing. It, I was a last minute addition, so I didn't have as much time as everyone else, but I, I'm doing it. I think I've hobbied every day, which is like, yeah, it's never happened. So your hobby streak is at like five. Exit uh, six. Ooh, nice. New record. <laughs> New record. I like it. Um, yeah, no, the, the Holy Havoc events are absolutely amazing. Steve Herner and the Holy Hammers um, do an amazing job of setting up a great event. I unfortunately have never been able to attend myself. Um, I have limited access outside of my house due to four children. Uh, but um, I, I've seen all of Mr. Herner's amazing stuff. And of course, all of his friends. I've played against several of the other um, Holy Hammers crew, and they are all amazing human beings. And I, I think you're going to have an amazing time. Um, I just, yeah, I it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I'm super jealous that you get to see <laughs> all the people that I'm friends with uh, that I haven't seen in forever. So you better enjoy it, is what I'm saying. Oh, I'm going to. <laughs> Uh, and then I'll just leave with a shout out to Jake or Velasa Chapter for reaching out, asking to be partners. Uh, mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, I might weigh him down, but we'll find <laughs> out. If, if uh, we do good, I'll come back and edit this part out of <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> and then uh, I'll talk about my plans. <laughs> exactly. Well, and because Path to Glory is something that you can play in a competitive environment as well right yeah if you were to add in the units that are in your path to glory order of battle into your say holy havoc army you could also roll to them after each army you get a couple bonus points so that'd be fun time um and uh of course you let met velocichapter friend of the show obviously at this point uh, in our Mortal Realms Discord, right? Which is at www.themortalrealms.com slash Discord, if I'm not mistaken. That is 100% correct. And in fact, the only reason I'm going is because he put the call out uh, for Holy Havoc in the mortalrealms.com slash Discord. Discord. And I'm well, just the person who happened to answer him. Nice. Oh, you're also the person that had time. I was like, oh, that looks really fun. Do I have the time? No. I mean... But, uh, yeah, I probably should have looked at the time before going in, but I made the time. Exactly. It works super well. Like, when's that? Two weeks? Yeah, I can make an army in two weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done it before. Not going to lie. Uh, and it's only 1,000 points. It's not 2,000 points. Yep. So I don't it's think only... you've set yourself an impossible hurdle. It's 12 models. Yeah. And I, Oh, yeah. you can. And I had already started them for the podcast. So Exactly. Man, you were going to be so far ahead of me in this, like, <laughs> sort of four warlords. I do have a fully painted Mega Gargan, though. And that's a uh, whole order of battle. 
or Path yeah, to Glory. That's the whole so, thing right there. Yeah. All right. Uh, so what we're talking about here, Spencer, is that we're going to try and paint up our armies as we go along. So um, obviously Will is going to have a little bit of a head start on me because A, he's actually painting his army right now. Uh, literally right now. Yeah, literally I mean, right no, now. I'm paying attention. We all listen really quietly till we hear the, the furious brushstrokes. <laughs> furious brushstrokes. Why didn't we call the podcast Furious Brushstrokes? Because that sounds amazing. <laughs> Um, uh, maybe we could put that as a subtitle. Uh, but um, in addition, we're doing what's, what we're kind of terming as sort of four warlords, where we're trying to finish off all of our order of battles um, as we're moving along. Uh, my progress is impeded by the fact of that wonderful Broodmaster miniature that you just saw mm-hmm. is really distracting me from wanting to paint anything other than spiders. And I literally <laughs> made another Arachnrock within the last week because I'm so excited about the spiders. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how that works out. There uh, are absolutely but... worse problems to have, but... You're, you are not wrong. You are not wrong. But, you know, the, the, the narrative of me will not be denied. And uh, I will be doing a Living City Army moving forward for my Order of Battle. I just might be hobbying on something else if, if you know, it happens to fall in my lap and it has spiders in it. So we'll see. <laughs> when things that have spiders in it fall on people's lap, they're usually not excited about it. So that's definitely a first. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're not Paul, so. <laughs> and also we're not in Australia, so they can't kill me, you know. So if we were in Australia, this would probably be a different matter. You know, if we had huntsmen and uh, black widows and everything all around. I might be a little bit less excited about spiders. But since I don't, and I have that privilege, I am going to be super excited about spiders in any way, shape, or form. So, all right. So we have uh, established kind of what our hobby is going forward. And we're going to start off with a recap, uh, partial recap from episode two. We're focusing on the narrative itself before the battle. So Will and I, when we play these games, we actually kind of parse out as well where our narrative is and where we're going. So this is actually something we work on about as hard as we work on playing the game. Um, I would say more that's not, even. <laughs> yeah, but that's not to say we don't want to play the game well and want to make sure that we are playing a competitive game and an interesting game for our opponents. But... Um, we really want to make sure that the games that we're playing are matching our narrative are really giving us a reason to create a story for our forces going forward. So Will, do you want to talk about um, kind of that, that starting area and where we're, we're going to start have our jumping off point as we start playing our games? Yeah. So in episode two, we talked a little bit about, like the location of the hungering step it's this primal area of gur and we are here to essentially set up our own settlements in it mm-hmm. and gur that's the one for, like animals like animal one right the dirt eats you everything yeah. eats you and everything's like beastie exactly yes. it's gur yeah, yeah. gur yeah that's great um, yeah. So it's in Gur. Everything's animal and beastly. 
I will say, like, for these first two games, we didn't really put in special, like, realm rules mm -hmm. to, like, show that. But the the story we're telling is a, a brutal story to, mm -hmm. to mirror that. Um, well, and I think yeah, one of the other things oh. we're doing is that we're intentionally trying to limit adding extra rules in at the beginning of this story. Yeah. Because we want it to be accessible. We could, you know, like, you know, Ricky in the Discord does amazing ideas and all these crazy additions to Path to, to Glory, which is fantastic. Um, but the goal for this podcast is to be accessible for the beginner, uh, number one, at least to start off with. Yeah. And number two, to make sure that we're not, like, throwing 1,700 different reference materials at you. Because, you know, one would hope that by telling our story, we inspire you to tell yours. Right, that's I think a goal that both Will and Spencer and I all really want to collaborate to enable. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So one of the things that I I think we clarified when our talks when we're playing our game is that our forces I think it would be fair to say are diametrically opposed. Um, I don't yeah. know if we had very specifically pointed that out before. Even though we both have order forces, and for Spencer and the and the listeners' benefit, um, order is one of the what was called the Grand Alliance in the previous edition, but has been eliminated now. Um, but the Grand Alliance is basically an umbrella where the rules allow you to share some units from other armies if you are a part of the same general uh, force. So, for example, as a Stormcast player. Um, Will has allies with Cities of Sigmar um, and uh, other forces. And as a Cities of Sigmar player, I have allies with Stormcast and with other forces as well, depending on which city that I take. Because I have taken a living city army, I can ally with Sylvaneth. Um, and so in this situation where we're both playing Order Forces, we kind of talked out why it is that we are going to be intentionally fighting each other over the course of multiple games. Uh, because... Sylvaneth a character... Is Sylvaneth a character group? So Sylvaneth is an army. It is a different battle tome. Okay. So you would know them as dryads. Got That's it. one of their people. units. But they're basically tree people. That's the name uh, of the tree people. Got it. Got it. Sorry, I forgot what they correct. were. Correct. That's the name of the tree people. Nope. So great question thank you uh and so as will and i worked this out um we did establish that we're not friends and we're not gonna be friends and our goals do not allow us to be friends <laughs> um and and part of that is that um because i'm allied with the living city um i I'm a city of Sigmar, so I'm allied with Sigmar. My force has kind of been taken over a little bit by the Sylvaneth because they are the the champions of all my units. They are the heroes in my army, a few of them. Um, and so I really wanted to lean into that Sylvaneth vibe. And they're taking over and kind of co-opting the faith in Sigmar in order to work to their own ends and reestablish the realm roots in Gert. However, Will, you're doing something completely opposite. Yeah. 
So what I am doing is I have my Stormscale Covenant, my Dragon Aligned, or my Dracothian Aligned uh, version of the Stormcast. And they really do worship Dracothian, the Dragon God Beast, more than they do Sigmar. And our whole thing, our entire mission, is to cultivate areas of land to foster the rebirth of dragons. And what that includes is teaming up with the Seraphon, which we talked about last time as these celestial lizard folk. And the Seraphon have a really cool technology called a Realm Shaper engine that essentially terraforms any realm to resemble the jungles that they originally came from. And so my force loves that. They think that mm-hmm. those those damp, swampy jungles are perfect places for dragons to breed. And those Realm Shaper engines need the power of these ley lines to work. We need to essentially harvest those ley lines. Whereas uh, my Living City Force wants to take those exact same ley lines to reestablish their realm roots. So these are realm roots, are these magical paths that allow them to travel from one place to another. And they want to bring the land back to the way that it was before all this destruction, before everything that had happened, back to its original state. So, um, so our base goals are diametrically opposed. <laughs> Will they not share the lines? Like, you get that half of the line? No. This half of the line? Our lines are well, shared. That would be, you know, in a normal, maybe not war game, that would definitely be a possibility. We could parlay. Um, that's definitely a possibility. But um, we are both attempting to um, establish empires, as it were. Um, Will is trying to establish a homeland almost really for, for his Stormcast, and I'm trying to reclaim what is mine. Um, so if you were to share it, you would weaken the strength of the entire network, right? So Will is going to try and make these nexuses of power in order to empower everything within his force. That's kind of how they work with these ziggurats that they bring down on these Realm Shaper engines. Whereas I'm on the opposite, trying to just create a a natural, original habitat for everything that lives in Gur. I'm just trying to bring everything back to the way that it was, right? So... from a very modern perspective um will is actually trying to monoculture all of gur and i'm just like i'm not having that right we need to like get some quinoa in here (laughs) we need to like get some maize growing and he's just like oh no we're gonna go corn and soybeans and wheat and we're just gonna you know Hey, get as much produce as we can Western from the land. Trio yeah. right there. That's the staple. He got the- <laughs> Will, it sounds like he's throwing fighting words at you. Right? I, I am indeed. Well, um, I will say, I mean, 
it is for dragon people, so it's less about the food for us, but more of the food to fatten up the things we're going to hunt and eat. Ooh, bold, bold statement, Cotton. Let's see how that plays out for you. <laughs> so we are approaching our first battle, yep. and we wanted to set up a scenario in which um, we thought fit our narrative and also um, was going to be an enjoyable battle for us to play. So we actually combined a couple of the different battle plans. So battle plans are rules that are given um, in order to play a game of Warhammer. Um, most people are going to be playing the 6, 8, 12 um, battle plans that are in the match play handbook. Um, but Will and I, because we're trying to establish our narrative and trying to play into that story, um, are actually going through some of the old battle plans that have been produced by Games Workshop in the past and trying to work them into a situation in which um, they can match a story that we want to tell. Will, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so one of the things that we we really wanted to do when looking into the battle plans was to see like there's all these different pieces to a battle plan that we have to look at. So first, the first thing we thought of was like, how are we going to set up uh, when when the game begins? Where is everyone? And uh, Paul, I know you're the one who found this battle, like these two battle plans. Mm-hmm. But we we ended up picking one where one force was initially surrounded by another, and then would be reinforced somehow. Were these mm-hmm. choices? Wait, did, were, were these chosen at random, or were these chosen? Nope, this, okay. For this game, we deliberately combined two like two different battle plans. Okay, so if you said that the audio was a little choppy on my end, so I might have missed it, but I want to check. No, no, no oh. worries. Um, um, so yeah, we played the um, the prospectors. I cannot read my own handwriting. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we played Prospectors Down and Death From Within. Yeah, so what we are trying to establish with this narrative is that my force, my living city force, is kind of divided into two different aspects. I have four units of Shadow Warriors, and then my general himself is a um, free guild general, but modified to be kind of a woodsman. And, and then I also have my um, my devoted contingent. So I've got 20 greatswords that are my Sisters of Sigmar. And then I've got two units of 20 flagellants. And I've got a... We're, we're going to figure out how the rules work for War Altar um, in a bit. But so I have two different forces in my 2000 point order of battle. And my Legion order of battle, I should say. And so I wanted to establish a meeting between my two forces in order to give them a reason to enact, uh, to interact with each other. And so the prospectors down seemed like a really good choice because it split the forces into two different um, deployment zones. So a deployment zone is a mark on the map of the setup for the battle that tells you where your models may deploy before the game starts. And in Prospectors Down, it actually has two different deployment zones for one army. 
because one deploys immediately and then one deploys later on because you're trying to rescue them. And so my narrative was that I had my devoted contingent, which is the 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 religious contingent that was trying to encounter and um, make first contact with my reclaimed contingent, which is the people who lived in the realms um, when Sigmar left. So we're trying to establish why my two forces are working together. And then we added in the extra rules from the Night Haunt battle plan so that we could flesh out that story a little bit more. So, Will, what were you trying to establish with the first battle narratively? Yeah, so the first thing I was trying to do really was I had my Path to Glory quest, which Mm -hmm. was search for the artifact. So I had it established where my my force and my heroes in setting up the safe haven for dragons, they discovered there was a missing artifact that was Drake scale armor. Armor, mm-hmm. you know, made of dragons, and we wanted that. And we saw this mass of people from the hungering steppe starting to gather. We saw a force of outsiders starting to come near, and we got very paranoid that these people had to have found it. And we need to make sure that they don't run off with this artifact. So, like, off the bat, I didn't, I mean, I knew, but Thalen, my warlord, didn't initially know, like, what he was getting himself into. He didn't really understand that he was going to be starting this war, more or less. Mm-hmm. And this he, is the he, first time you your characters would have met in this land, right? Like, correct. Exactly. Well, that's an interesting point there, Spencer. Mm-hmm. So, Petrol, the Thornborn, actually did not take place in this battle. So, he's the warlord for my force. Um, he's the, the whole organization. Um, but I kind of talked about it, and Petrol is not really the guy who would wantonly wander out and try and figure out what's going on with everything. Um, he's very much a hunter. So he's going to lay back and make sure he understands the lay of the land before he goes out. Because as the, the, the third son of his, of his reclaimed family as a prince, he knows the actual strategic um, benefit of making sure he understands what it is that he's dealing with it, what it is that he's dealing with before he unleashes the full power of his army. So this is going to be kind of a theme um, for the armies and the battles coming up because I, I don't want Galen to be someone who risks himself um, without good reason. He's too Petrol. smart for that. I'm sorry. I don't want Petrol to be someone who risks himself without good reason he's, he's too smart for that and so i have sent out uh galen um so i'm using the rules for galen van denst the witch hunter uh, because it it seems like it'll be a nice little fit for my reclaimed contingent and then i also sent out Valton, um who you may recognize that name from the old world is my warrior priest um i also sent out um quite a number of my forces um, because we were doing a thousand point battle. Um, So I sent out four units of shadow warriors um, 
I do have names for all of them, but we're kind of talk about that as we go into the um, aftermath and talk a little bit about what happened um, because a couple of them had some cool things happen. Um, and then we had one unit of flagellants as well. And so my flagellants and my warrior priest, Fulton, were trying to establish contact with Galen and his shadow warriors. So that was the goal for me in this battle. We have the players. We have the stage. Mm. Do we want to talk about how this battle uh, played out? Just at like a high narrative level. Yeah. Um, Oh, let's do it. I want to (laughs) know. So one of the fun things about my Living City army is that I have a bunch of uh, shadow warriors. And they have a cool thing where when they're in cover, so that means when they are behind a building and within or within one inch of it and on it, um, that they gain an ability that makes them better shooters. They gain plus one to their hit wound, hit roll, and plus one to their wound roll. In Age of Sigmar, all of your rolls are on a D6. So functionally, you're increasing their ability by 17% on both hit and both to wound. And that is a hugely impressive ability um, to be able to deploy. And on this battlefield, my was there a lot of cover. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, to to physically pose. describe it, it, it was covered in craters and holes, which was like to signify mm. part of like the hungering step. I guess we never talked about like what they were, but in my mind, I felt like they were like closed up mouth holes um, from mm-hmm. the hungering step because it you know sinkholes pop open when it senses blood and i assume with the shifting plates of gur that these were just like leftover closed ones yeah and that's another thing we actually discussed the narrative of the battlefield itself we want that to help us to tell our story yeah um, so, and i i actually good time to reiterate a point that i had thrown out earlier which is like we definitely think about the narrative more than we like put the effort into the game. Not to say that we don't try to play a good game, but we're like, oh yeah, the scenery's gotta gotta match this, and we put mm-hmm. all the time into making sure the battle plan and the narrative going into it matches well. Yes. But then when we're playing, we're focused on playing, and I mean, we're both trying to win, honestly, but we're also mm-hmm. both trying to win in a narratively filling way. Yeah, and, and, and we make choices that wouldn't make sense in a match play environment. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> that, yes, that's 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 yes. the reason. It's for the story. <laughs> well, Will yes. particularly actually was we were talking about it while we were playing the game and like um there was one point where it was like, you should just like destroy this or you know, you should take this out because this would be better for you to win the game. And he was like yeah, but that doesn't actually fit my narrative because my narrative is I've just showed up. I have no idea who you are. Like, you might be an ally. I don't know. So why would I destroy you? Why wouldn't I try and, like, figure out what's going on first? Yeah. Right? And um, for me, the fact that I'm not fielding my warlord um, is actually a huge hit for my match play capability because he gets his own special command trait and he's everything that the army is keyed off of. And so some of the things in my army aren't as effective because he's not on the battlefield. But as we discussed earlier with his story, it doesn't make sense for him to be the battlefield. So we're going to try and figure out how to make it work 
in a different way. And also for full disclosure, these are the first games that I'm playing with my living city army as well. I've played Cities of Sycamore before, but I've never played uh, Living City. And Will is playing his Stormcast. So you want to talk about that? Yeah. So uh, my Stormcast, I brought the the full might of my army since we're playing at a thousand points. Paul mm-hmm. had mentioned that he had a starting Legion, which gives him 2,000 points for his order of battle to play off of. Mm-hmm. I started with a battalion, which is 1,000. So I brought everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Stormcast, Wait, one second. they are... Oh. Yeah, we're cook- so he started out with 2,000, right? You start out with 1,000 points? That's so 2,000 yeah. order of battle. Yeah, so outside of the game. But the game itself was played at 1,000 points. Mm, gotcha, okay. So I have 2,000 points with which to select my army from but i'm only putting a thousand points on the table gotcha okay which is why he is able to play games without having to bring his warlord Mm -hmm. so i i brought the full might of the stormcast covenant which isn't that many models because they are these lightning infused half dragon warriors Mm -hmm. and I have my cool special ability that is called Scions of the Storm, which means some of them don't actually start on the battlefield and they come crashing down as meteorites. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, like, rolling into the start of the game, I came in on the edges surrounding. Surrounding is such a strong word because I, I have the capability to deploy anywhere outside of, like, the small starting circle that his Shadow Warriors were. But I had so few models that I put down, like, seven people total, if that. Mm -hmm. Like, just very much not many, um, with the idea that more would come later. Exactly. Um, And the, the force that I started with on the table, the ones that needed to be rescued, were my reclaimed which are my good archers, which were all in cover and were like taking out things left and right. Um, but unfortunately, I just didn't have quite enough shooting in order to take out all the things. And when my flagellants showed up, they were a little too slow. Now in Living City, I can deploy them in um, anywhere nine inches from the table. But according to the rules for the scenario, I was supposed to come on from the board edge. And so I ended up pretty isolated um, with about 500 points in my army in the middle of the table with no support <laughs> because my flagellants and Volton, my warrior priest came in on the edge of the table and just weren't quick enough to make it in to the center of the table. So it was a good game. I had a great time. Yeah. I was able to cause uh, many reforgings, which oh. I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, but at the end of the day, nobody made it out. Um, nobody accomplished the goal for my living city army and um we were wiped out to a man and what? nobody knew what happened so that was it's not okay it's okay not what I was yeah expecting. i'll be honest it wasn't what i was expecting <laughs> yep um i i mean some some of it was the dice was in my favor some of it was 
um, like Paul had mentioned, like those deployments weren't in his favor because my my starting force got in close to those primarily ranged characters, mm-hmm. and then I teleported more people right in the middle. Um, yeah. yeah, so you were able to use your special deployment, but I wasn't able to use my special deployment. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, at the same time, um, narratively, I'm totally fine with this because, number one, I don't care if I win or lose as long as the story is moving forward. I'm having right. a great time. But number two, as a Dawnbringer Crusade, 11 out of 12 Dawnbringer Crusades are supposed to fail, right? And at this point, I'm just trying to establish contact with the local um, the local people in order to get a better understanding of what the lay of the land is. So the fact that I was completely wiped out um, because of the way that the Path of Glory mechanics work doesn't mean that I actually took a major hit. It just means that I didn't achieve my goal in that battle, but the story moves on. So that was super yeah. fun. And and Will, you actually got a major victory. I did. And then what did you what were you able to accomplish because of that? Yeah. So scoring a major victory gives me more of that glory resource that we use for pretty much everything. Uh, to be perfectly honest. So what I was able to do with that glory was I. Well, for one, I finished my quest. I recovered that Drake scale armor. Mm-hmm. And so with my glory, I recruited a brand new hero uh, to join the fray. Uh, I'm actually going to take a picture and share him. Nice. Uh, so, and I'll post him in the hobby chat. Where later. was the armor? Where where did it end up being? Did, did your characters have it and then they found it or what? So I, I narratively... Like, I guess I never determined that. I think the armor was nearby, which is why I knew to look in this area, but not necessarily that his people were Possessing in it. possession of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So one of the things that um, both of these armies are relatively good at, right? We've talked about how they want to, to really um, make targets of these ley lines and establish... Um, realm roots or establish these realm shaper engines um so both of our armies are going to be something that's relatively not uh, magically sensitive yeah so um this would have been a place where my reclaims would have been like all right we're going to feel relatively safe meeting here because it is a quiet area and they they would have probably unconsciously sensed some of this magic that was in the area right whereas will's forces would have been far more like something is there and it's mine and i know that i want it right um and because my reclaimed so i should probably expand a little bit upon the reclaimed so they are the normal people that were in the realms when chaos attacked so there's the big god sigmar right who lives in azir which is a completely different realm and he lost his hammer, which resulted in him retreating from this massive battle to try and defeat Chaos. And he retreated everyone that he could into Azir. That's kind of the, the, the history of the Age of Sigmar. So anybody that's reclaimed has literally been starving and pulling and clawing every single breath and every single meal from the land for the past 
2,000 years, um, in game terms, it's a massive amount of time that has passed. So they have to be hardy. They have to be good at surviving. And they have to be like fairly attuned to what's going on to have survived 2,000 years. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah, it's a accelerated evolution right there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, and, and at the same time, they have to be willing to accept death as a normal everyday thing. Right. And, and that's something. Glad we don't live here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not a part. But it's something that I, I really enjoy for my narrative is that I'm like, my stuff is going to get killed. And I'm okay with that because that's just normal, right? Even the people that live in the cities of Sigmar, we're leaving the city walls. We know that we are risking everything, which is why my warlord, Petrel, is staying behind the city walls and trying to figure out what's going on because it is such a risk. Um, but the opposite side, narratively, Will's risk isn't so much that he's going to lose somebody per se, right? Because he's fighting this eternal war. The problem is, is that when his characters are reforged, they have a problem of disappearing. And so it's yeah. the individual that is really important in Will's narrative because every character in his force and every model in his force is named. Everyone Whereas, is named. Correct. So if he loses somebody, that name is gone. It doesn't matter if they're the lowliest guy in his army. This is going to be a bit of a blow because he has lost them. And in narrative terms, the Stormcast have been fighting together for hundreds of years. So imagine in, you know, losing your brother at arms that you have fought together for the last 347 years to a rabble of reclaimed sitting in the woods. Just some guy. Right? Uh, no, it hurts. It hurts. Right? Yeah. Whereas for me, it's like, yeah. You're going to die. You might as well die for a good cause. And so I can just throw waves of people at Will's army. And it's not necessarily going to affect me. I'm going to save, you know, Petrol because he's my big strategist. So I want him to be protected, right? But if I lose Galen, I'll just find another Galen, right? If I lose Vaulton, I'll just find another Vaulton. I have so many people, right? But humans only live, you know, 50 to 70 years. So, of course, people are going to die. Of course, you're going to have this ever ever going cycle of loss and renewal and faith and friendship and brotherhood, right? That's to be understood. Whereas for Will's army, it's exactly the opposite. Yeah. Right? And to lose them is literally to their spirit has dissipated to the point where they don't even know who they are. So you might run into them again at some point in some way, but they would never recognize you. Yeah. Wow. It is a, and I should yeah. say, even though I came out of that, that first fight with a major victory and like I had completely destroyed every one of your models, mm -hmm. you took out a lot of mine too. I did. <laughs> so I, I had to reforge my warriors. Yeah. And so in order to like tie into the narrative even more, I actually used a reforging table to describe the flaws that came of it. Mm -hmm. I used the one in the Champions of Order book for Soulbound, which is the role-playing game set in the Age of Sigmar. 
And so nice. I, I can say confidently that, like I said, every model is named. Uh, Boreix of the Thunder Clutch, uh, my prosecutor, who is just like a winged person, he flies around and throws javelins. Whenever he walks by a candle, it's going to flicker with a blue light as it his celestial energy radiates out of him. Arasos of the Stone Crashers, who is part of like my paladin group, those people who came crashing down from the sky, he only ever speaks in a whisper, but never struggles to be heard. And Man, then hmm? you lucked out with that candle thing because I have no flames in my army. I removed <laughs> right <them>. exactly. <laughs> Uh, and then finally, uh, Pyrgos of the Bladesworn, which is my, my unit of greatsword vanquishers. Uh, when he breathes, like whenever you breathe and it's cold out and you can see your breath, it is like tar black mm. instead oh. of that like steamy white. Buddy. So like the, these characters, my, my soldiers, all my little babies who are named, they are going to suffer. Yeah. Well, and, and to even emphasize that more, right? My armies are named, every unit in my army is named, but it's named after my Sylvaneth champions because those Sylvaneth champions can be reborn in a certain sense, right? And they're going to be the last person to die out of any of my units. And everyone behind them is just nameless mass, right? My unit of 10 Shadow Warriors, right? They're Alspin's Shadow Warriors. Or they are Lurid's Shadow Warriors. Or Sparkle's Shadow Warriors. Because the actual individual is completely unimportant. Because if you die, I will find another. It just reminds me of that... Okay, this may, this may or may not work. But that <laughs> Spongebob episode where King Neptune challenges him. <laughs> To make the perfect Krabby Patty, and King Deku could just make thousands of Krabby Patties, and then SpongeBob spent the whole time making one. That is exactly that is what this is. You have yeah, King no. Neptune's Krabby Patty army. <laughs> yeah, Fire. well, and the ultimate indignity, right, is that you are absolutely correct. They spent all this time. Sigmar spent all this time watching the realms to find the heroes that sacrificed themselves in his name, right? Or he searched the underworlds to find the heroes worthy of being reforged. And so these people were heroes before they even died. And then they get reforged into Stormcast. And then this is a reforging after that reforging, which is an immensely painful and terrible process that removes part of their soul each time they're reforged, right? And narratively, one of my nameless could be taken by Sigmar to become one of the Stormcast that eventually make it into my army because their sacrifice has been deemed worthy. And I can also bring Stormcast into my game because they're both into order. my order of battle, mm -hmm. right? Because that's allowed in cities of Sigmar, but it's a really narratively hard thing to decide who died. That's going to become that person, right? Like that's a really weighty choice for me to honor the death of the nameless horde to become a Stormcast. Who died and made you God King? 
I mean, I did. I did. did. (laughs) Exactly. I did. Uh, So, um, so Will had some uh, lasting effects from his. I I lost, I I had a uh, casualty score of two on Elspin's Shadow Warriors. That was the lasting impact of my army. So, all right. Uh, So we're going to move on to the second battle. Um, So we did the in Sigmar's name battle plan. Cross out Sigmar in Dracothian's name. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so this is Sigmar fella. Correct. This is a battle plan from the Stormcast Eternals um, uh, battle tome. And so I sent Galen and my uh, Shadow Warriors again to investigate a failed um, Dawnbringer settlement. We're trying, again, we're trying to establish the lay of the land. We're trying to figure out what's going on here. Um, and then Thalen arrived as a small force of Stormscale Covenant to push them back. Right? Yeah. Immediately, we've got a problem here. Because last time, right, it might have been chance that Thalen showed up and decided that he was going to fight uh, my force. But twice in a row, there is a problem. <laughs> like, you are now an impediment to my mission. Yeah. So, a, a Dawnbringer Crusade is a divine. Uh, command from Sigmar to go out and reclaim the realms. Um, and every city of Sigmar must give a certain amount of their population to the Dawnbringer Covenant is expected and demanded of the populace. All right. When you so say at this point, do you mean murder? Well, that's actually a really interesting question that we talked about. Mm. Will and I both talked about. Uh, we just released a, a Stormcast Battletome review. And at the moment, in this place in time where the game is, um, the Stormcast are actually super depleted after a bunch of events that happened uh, in the last couple of years um, as far as the game is concerned. So the question is, is Sigmar mandating these Crusades in order to gain more Stormcast? Because he's demanding that they go out and sacrifice themselves in the wilderness. And his storm hosts are at half strength or worse. So does he just need more heroes in order to reforge at this point? That's a that's a real narrative question um, that we have at this moment in time in Age of Sigmar. So absolutely correct, Spencer. 100%. Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah. yeah. And... I was going to say, you, you mentioned that this is the second time we've faced off in the field of battle, and two may not be chance. To mm-hmm. Phelan, this was 100% an intentional show of force. Because mm-hmm. um, you, you approached this uh, former site of a Dawnbringer Crusade, but it mm-hmm. wasn't your Dawnbringer Crusade. Nope. It was one of those other 11 out of 12 that had failed. Correct. And my people have had been aware of this because they were trying to find allies and they saw that this place was abandoned. So when they saw you and your, well, rabble uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, approaching, we mustered a quick reaction force, Mm -hmm. much smaller than before, but to to come and to knock you away. Yep. Uh, So in... In uh, game and rules term, I have to own up to the fact that like 
this is me learning a new army. I I did not use all the rules to best effect when we were playing this battle uh, because I honestly, it's my second game with the army and I didn't read them through. So my first mistake was that I deployed my army without putting them on the Dawnbringer Crusade terrain, which meant that I didn't get my plus one to hit and my plus one to wound. So when I did decide to try and take out Thalen, who is the warlord of Will's force, I was able to do a decent amount of wounds, but not Ooh. quite enough to take him down. Yeah, uh, I learned my lesson. Because um, a reminder with the pictures, Thalen has a massive banner. And he was leading from the front, which made him the perfect target for all of those arrows. Mm-hmm. It was the perfect scenario for me to kill your warlord. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, and the goal of the scenario was actually for me to escape off of the opposite board edge. Um, but uh, I failed to do that because I failed to use all my rules. I failed yep. to use my ambushing um abilities from living city and from the shadow warriors war scroll well and uh, it's a good call out to what we had talked about in the very first episode of like have that conversation with your opponent i you know we were in a rush to get playing and mm-hmm. we never like we had talked about it ahead of time everything we were doing but we never reiterated the victory conditions um yeah. at the at the start so I thought that I just needed to kill him, and I thought he needed to kill me, and those are the victory conditions, but turns out I was supposed to be able to escape off of the other board edge, which would have been totally easy with my ambushing ability, um, but uh, again, because I didn't reread the scenario before we started, that was a completely on me, but at the same time, again, I'm running a Dawnbringer Crusade, kind of supposed to lose for a while. So even though I made a, a massive match play mistake narratively, it's really not going to affect, um, it's not going to derail my narrative, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm supposed to be on the back foot. Um, but speaking of which, I was able to actually maneuver my way into retreating off of the board in good order. So according to the Path to Glory rules, if you have half or less of the units on the board, then you can retreat out of the battle. And it was obvious that I was not going to be able to take out his forces after failing to take out Thalen. Um, I think I was able to take out one of your units. Um, yes, my my prosecutors. That is why uh, Boreix has his little candle effect. I um, forgot that that was this battle, not the previous one. Yeah. Um, but, of course, the Reclaimed are, again not there to stand to the last man. They're there to survive. And so they retreated off the board. And even though I had three out of five units left on the table, Will, according to our narrative, uh, agreed to let me do that. So um, again, Stormscale secured a major victory and they defended their realm. Um, And I'm still running that quest as well, but I was only able to get um, my second uh, quest point. So... Um, but it, it's one of the nice things about the way that they word the path to glory rules that the opponent, even if you flee off the table, is allowed to go in and finish off the game and play through the turns that were remaining in order to accomplish the goals for their quest. 
yeah, so in, in the the aftermath of that, I secured that area. And I guess I never actually... I'm just connecting these narrative dots now that I like secured that city. But I also use those additional glory points to purchase a territory that I've discovered. Mm-hmm. Which... I really should probably just be that leftover city. Exactly. So I'm just going to pretend that that was my plan all along. It was your plan all along. <laughs> yeah, so I unlocked the Borderlands territory. Mm-hmm. Which would make sense for a Dawnbringer Crusade. Absolutely. Yeah. Which I never actually put on my roster, so I'm just going to do that now. So the roster is actually... The sheet of paper that you keep track of everything that's going on with your Path to Glory army that is not specifically the units. So you keep track of what quest that you're on, how strong your stronghold is, um, what territories you have, and then you also have your vault. And your vault is where you have your artifacts of power or unique enhancements that allow you to get in-game bonuses. And... The reason why I'm bringing that up right now is because this was actually super salient um, after game one and game two is that uh, one of the things that you get to do in the aftermath phase is you get to roll and see if you discover a territory. So Will discovered a territory, um, which was this um, Borderlands for this Dawnbringer Crusade. And I actually rolled to discover a territory and I got a super sweet territory, the Ruins of Myth. So the role to get this is super hard, and I was super pumped. Oh my goodness, was I excited, because it gets you a free arc artifact, one out of every six, game, six games, which is amazing. However, because I started with a Legion, which is 2,000 points for my Order of Battle, I had to take three territories in order to make my army list valid, my or- Order of Battle valid, and I don't have an imposing stronghold, so I couldn't get that fourth territory. So, unfortunately, I discovered a ruin of myth, but had to abandon it because I've already reached my maximum in, in uh, game terms. Which no! is super depressing once yeah. I found that out. I was like, no! How could I have done Why? that? It's terrible! Oh. But, uh, you know, it, it actually... Turns out there's a negative to having a legion when you start off, which is that rolling in your territories until you've upgraded your stronghold, not so great and actually kind of depressing. Um, so I haven't added different. any units to my army um, because, again, I have 2,000 points to start with, which is a nice little benefit. But again, territories right out the window. I can't do them at all. But Will, you've actually had some fun little progress. Okay. I. Yeah. I did actually get a couple things after yeah. that last game. Let's do it. Um, so Alsman's Shadow Warriors, uh, they took some more hits, like super, super a lot. So they're oh. now at five casualties. So when I field them on the table, they're not a unit to 10. They're a unit of five. But they do have one Renown. However, uh, Lyrial Shadow Warriors, We're they actually gained six Renown, and they have gained a veteran ability of defensive formation. Um because they were one of the units that were retreating off of the table. So um, what that means is in game terms is that I actually am able to hopefully make them stay on the board a little bit longer. And now I've actually developed a little bit of attachment to Lyriel, um 
Shadow Warriors, and I don't want them to die. Elspin's Shadow Warriors, if I take a casualty score of 10, they go off of my order of battle and I don't get them anymore. I can't deal them in any battles. Which, at this point, doesn't really seem like a loss, right? They <laughs> haven't really done anything <laughs> cool. And it is really just, you know, my guys are going to get killed and I have to deal with it. But now with Lyriads, it's like, well, um, actually, I kind of want them to stick around. So, hey, I mean, that's, we'll well, see. that's future Stormcast material right there. Maybe it we'll is future Stormcast material. Ooh, good call. I like that. Ooh, what would be the Stormcast name for Lyriad? We could figure something out for that, I think. Lyrios. How about JC, the thrice forged? (laughs) (laughs) It all comes back around. It does. Full circle. All right. But, Will, you had a lot more fun uh, stuff going on with your Stormscale Covenant, didn't you? Yeah, so I got, as mentioned, I now have my formerly abandoned settlement, which is my Borderlands territory. What this does in future games, uh, at the end of a fight, I can pick a unit that wasn't actually at that fight and give them a renown point, essentially give them experience. Super cool. The narrative I'm going to choose for that is instead of fighting, they are going to be building up this abandoned settlement and probably just warding off beasts of the hungering step. And that is where that experience will come from. Mm Mm-hmm. Speaking awesome. of which, I also have a unit of veterans. Um, mm. It is my unit of prosecutors. No, sorry. It's my unit of vindictors. I got that mixed up. Uh, vindictors just being my foot soldiers with spear and shields, uh, which are the bright skills, which include Falcorian, Chirora, Ubal. Ishtreya, and Dakun. Dakun! Dakun! And they have the Foundation of Victory veteran ability. Um, Essentially meaning that they can give themselves like a free command without spending a command point. Super sweet. Alright. So, yeah, we've had some narrative progression. We've had some rules progression. Um, So... We're going to talk about a little bit about where we are now, right? Um, so we've talked about the aftermath phase, um, but um, as far as what's going on um, with the Living City Army, right? What's going on with the Stormscale Covenant? Um, my army is this is kind of expected, right? Like I'm I'm expecting to have some pretty severe losses to start with. Uh, I'm still trying to establish covenant, or I'm sorry, I'm still trying to establish conversation with my reclaimed uh, element of my forces. And I'm not going to try and feel them together until we can try and figure that out. Um, But at the same time, um, Petrol has earned a decent amount, number one, that there is an enemy out there. And uh, they are pretty... Um, dominant when it comes to fighting them in battle a lot because I just don't use my rules yet because I'm learning that army. But um, that being said, I've I've really been pouring over the rules again and I think we're going to have some fun the next game that we play and hopefully 
hopefully we'll establish a beachhead. So narratively, what that means is that I'm actually going to be able to plant a nexus, and then I'm going to actually be able to expand this settlement, right? Um, Stormscale Covenant has been blocking me at every turn, but I think from a narrative point of view, they haven't actually taken over anything yet. So I don't think I've lost that much besides time and lives, and I have both of those in spades. So <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to where this goes forward. Um, and then, Will, what would you say that you are at narratively right now? Yeah, so I should say that even though Thalen's force is, like, smaller, he is his little force isn't the entirety of the Stormscale Covenant. He is just the one leading the fight in this area because they, they have plans all over the place. So his narrative is that he is building up his stronghold and starting to create almost like his court of knights. So now that I have added my new abandoned settlement uh, territory, I have I also have a Tower of Scales which is like part of an old keep to increase the number of heroes I can have in my order of battle. So I had mentioned after the first battle, I got a new hero. And then after the second battle, I got another new one. So joining Thaland in his adventures are Valum Brownbow, who is a knight judicator, essentially a heavily armored archer who's got two griffhounds which are nice. those yeah! bird dogs. Yeah. Bird dog! <laughs> and he, he's the one wearing the Drake scale armor. And then I, after the second battle, acquired Nortessa Stonecaller, who is a knight in Cantor. She's essentially a wizard stormcast. Do you say she's a stonecaller? Yeah. Like, because they're not, they don't have ears. What? Well, Stones so, don't have ears. Uh, a spoiler for the future i'm not on this quest currently but i will be doing a quest down the road where i unlock what's called an endless spell and one of these cool super powerful spells available to the stormcast is a giant meteorite that crashes onto the ground and she's going to be the one who calls down that stone hence stone call okay all right don't tell paul i won't uh, uh what i'm sorry i wasn't listening Oh, nothing, nothing, no. nothing. Don't worry about it. I genuinely wasn't listening because I... Oh, no. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, I'm trying to communicate with Spencer in the chat and being respectful. I apologize. I was a begging. <laughs> I don't pay attention to the chat. Those are jokes that are so, uh, like, dumb and not even worthy of being said out loud. I just type them <laughs> to the void so I can see them, know that I made them, and then no one else needs to hear them. No. Say them. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> they're pretty dumb. Well, maybe not those ones. Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely something, yeah. Just... I, I, I'm going to type something in here. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You, you make my life harder when there are verbal reactions to the jokes that I have to then, like, edit around. <laughs> <laughs> That's allowed. That's allowed. Yep. Uh, um, but I, I will say... Um, that I have actually named my three territories as well. Yay. Um, so I have two old keeps because I needed to have a couple heroes to field my 2,000-point order of battle. 
Uh, so I have the Oak of Life and the Elm of Vitality. And then I also needed an Arcane Waypoint in order to have a second wizard. So that is my Realm Root Garden. Um, and so that might be something we do something with later on. We're talking Ooh. about our territories and figuring out what's going on. But it's also, it's, it's a fun way to increase your narrative. Um, and I actually have a gardener for my Realm Root Garden, which is a model that I've made that has absolutely no rules in-game. In but he yeah. looks cool. So I wanted him to be something important. Of course. So. He's a gardener. That is important. He's a gardener. He exactly. gardens. He gardens. That's important, right? He's just trying to, you <laughs> yeah, know, like true. stop these invasive species of, you know, draconic influence and return everything back to the original uh, original state that it was. Also, it sounds like I need to just like add birds randomly to my army so that Spencer likes me more. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, See, I got, I, I got two griffhounds now. So, I know you're adding dogs. I need uh, to add birds. Bird dogs. Uh, I mean, you're right. You're not wrong. Actually, but, we have to add dog birds. He's got bird dogs. Just, you got to get dog birds. Oh, dog birds. Yeah. What, so, like, they fly around, but they poop at fire hydrants too. Is that what's going on? <laughs> we shall see. I should say. <laughs> we shall see. Um. And this is this is all going in still, but <laughs> when when Spencer and I would play Warcry, she would use a forest that was almost entirely Griffhounds, and for the while they were some of the very few miniatures I had ever like had painted, yeah. Just because I kept on assembling and acquiring, and where'd my money yeah. go? Um, yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> but Spencer, these are two new Griffhounds because the Knight Judicator comes with them, so super I, dynamic. I, I painted them up so dynamic. Um, I painted them up to be siblings, so they're the Ooh. only two that have the same color scheme. Oh, look at that! The rest are all Ooh. painted up like different birds. Yeah, they're Gold all blue. Cotton. But those look. I mean, you're you're really trying to curry F- Spencer's favor here. I'm really yeah, gonna have sure. to do something. Those look good. I mean, I'm gonna have to add some owls. <gasps> I already have those models. I need to just put them on. Ooh, right? that's gonna be tough to beat. Owls are a <laughs> superior bird. <laughs> Super good. Super good birds. Burbs. Um, so um, there's our, here's our first like standard episode that we are looking to do going forward. Yep. Um, so if this is something that you like, like this is absolutely what we are going to be playing, discussing, and moving forward with. And it's something we're really passionate about, so we're excited about it. So we hope that you're excited about it too. Um, and um, since this is just starting off, um, do you have anything else, Spencer or Will, that you want to say before we kind of close out the episode? Um, no, just to like reiterate, like this is kind of going to be the format. Mm-hmm. Um and since we are still early on, this is probably the only time where we will be accepting feedback. Oh, uh, bold to, call. Bold, All right. bold call. I'll accept well, it. I'll accept it. Mostly to hear, since this is focused on Path to Glory, if you want us to talk more about the mechanics of Path to Glory or anything like that, mm-hmm. reach out. I will say, like we mentioned earlier, we are purposefully not adding on too many things early on mm-hmm. in the lifespan of this podcast, but I'm already in the back of my mind, tinkering with 
uh, realm rules or special territories to match the hungering step and the other oh, yeah. sub areas. So we may add some of those later on mm-hmm. and like talking about other ways we can tinker with the, the system. Yeah. So that may be a point at which we, we add in some of those things, but we don't necessarily talk about it Yeah. Um, because again, we're trying to make this very accessible because we want this to be a podcast where we tell our story to encourage you to tell yours. Exactly. So, all right. So uh, you can find us online. Well, me specifically at PJ Shard and Will, where can they find you? They can find me at Twitter on Twitter at several lawn. Mm-hmm. Spencer, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on miscellaneous places. Uh, un- yeah. Unclear Instagram. I guess I'm technically there and Twitter. Though I'm not very active at Miss Photon. That's MS Photon. For my lovely cool, cool, cool. like science posts and the occasional spirit <laughs> of nerd knowledge. <laughs> All right. Or you can chat us with us on Discord at www.themortalrealms.com slash Discord. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at uh, Path to Story. Is that right, Will? That is correct. We will be posting pictures of models as we talk about them and hobby progress, both in the hobby chat on the Discord, and we may be sharing them on our respective Twitter handles. Yeah, Please don't at me that I'm cheating on my living city by painting my heart here on Myrtle Citizens. I know I am, but I'm kind of okay yeah. with it at the moment. So we'll get there. Um, at, or- at me when he does that, so we can keep an eye on him. <laughs> It's going to be a lot of ads, but you're welcome to uh, try and parse through those. So, all right. Well, thanks for listening to our Amblings on the Road. We hope to see you along the path. It's the path to story, an AOS narrative show. The path to story.